0: Good to see you here this morning. Guess what? Today's the second day of deer season. (laughs) And uh, so we've got a number of guys missing. This is uh, their time. And I know they still love the Lord. But uh, we we miss them. Uh, You know, I I guess this has been kind of a busy week, really. Uh, I've had several phone calls and different things. that uh, I don't know if you all remember them. Or not, uh, but they come, they are akin uh, to Betty Luna, and their name is uh, Colorado. His, his name is Carlos, and his wife's name is Christina. Well, Carlos has came down with that COVID, and they had him in the hospital, uh, pretty serious shape. And uh, they were fixing to put him on a ventilator. But you know, I had a call, and I called uh, Christina checking with her, and she said, I tell you, church, I want to thank you very much for y'all's prayers. They was getting ready to put Carlos on the ventilator, and he says, overnight, after prayer, his condition completely changed. He is doing much better. He had a great night. He was feeling good the next morning. No ventilator. Uh, so prayer works. The thing about it is, is when you pray, you pray, you got to have faith in that prayer that you pray. That's the whole key. Without faith, we cannot please God. We must, we, we, you know, we have to remember who God is, believe He is who He says He is, and that He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. That is one thing that I think that uh, the church has been lacking. Is prayer and diligently seeking God. We pray, but when you pray, let me ask you a question. Are you believing He will answer your prayer? He says, He who doubts will do without, and he who believes shall receive. Well, sort of along those lines, you know, but He says, he who doubts, let him not think that he shall receive anything. That's what it says. But I always kind of put that in. He who doubts will do without. And he who, who, and he who believes will receive. And that's just about what it is. It's believing that God is able, He is capable, and He will answer our prayers. And... Uh, so, but anyway, Carlos is just doing a lot better. Uh, Christina is supposed to call me again. He was over here in Decatur. is where Carlos was at. They live out here at Chico. And uh, Betty is doing real well. She's getting stronger. She's had a few setbacks lately. But she says, I want to try to get back in church as soon as I can. So we're looking for her. And uh, her sister, Linelda Jones, it comes. She's finally getting over her COVID. She had, and uh, the other sister Peggy has been up in Arkansas, and uh, so. But anyway, we're hoping to, for long to get everything back like it used to be. You know, we're just gonna have to get God to remove this COVID, get it out of here. They use that COVID for everything in the world as as you know excuses. Close up the church. You'll catch COVID if you go. I'd rather sit in church than go to the hospital because that's where the COVID is. Yeah. But I, I tell you what, you know, I, like I said, I have missed going to the hospital. They have not let me in. Uh, they don't want anybody in. I did get to go see Frances Howarth before she passed. They did let me go in and see her at Hazel up here. And had prayer with her and everything. And uh, I was so glad to get to have those last few moments with her. And that was a lady that really loved the Lord. You know, we sung a song just a while ago. And I think, you know, we're talking about prayer. It says, standing on the promises of God. Every one of us needs some promises to stand on. When things arise in our life, things come up. would not it so good, though, just to be able to say, Lord, you know what you said? I'm standing on those promises. So let me ask you, do, do y'all have certain promises that you stand on? That when things arise, that you say, God, I know what you said. I'm standing on that promise. Uh, I use one a whole lot because it is. I really believe it. Isaiah 43 verse 1 through 3. When you go through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you go through the fire, I will be with you. And that flame shall not even kindle upon you. You're not even going to be burned. He says, for I have said this because I am God. I am the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And in that, he also says, and I know you by name. Do y'all realize God knows each one of you by your name? He knows you by your nickname. He knows you by the name your wife calls you. All of them. He knows you personally. And I think that's the key thing Do you know God personally? Is He a friend? Is He a Savior? Is it somebody that you trust? Is it somebody that you believe? You know, what you believe means a whole lot to God. That's what God answers. He answers prayers that you believe that He will answer. You know, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I'll just pray a prayer. But, the prayer didn't mean anything to him. Most time, you said, now what was that you prayed?" Oh, well, I don't really remember. Uh, no, when you pray, it should be personal. It should come from the heart. You know, that's what God looks at. God does not look on the outside of man. What does the Bible say? He looks at the heart. He looks at your sincerity. He looks as if you are true when you. Say your prayers when you come to Him. Are you believing? Well, there's a young man. My sermon this morning, as you saw the name of it, it simply says, "I have sinned." I think we can all say that, "I have sinned," and that's what God wants to hear from us when we say, when we sin and we make mistake. God wants us to say, "Father, forgive me, for I have sinned." Too many people want to hold that back. They don't want to confess it to God. Well, I don't want to tell God I sinned. Well, that's tough because He already knows it. He knows when you sin, He knows when you go astray. And whatever you come to God with, He's not surprised about what you tell Him. Isn't it amazing to have a God that knows everything about you? He knows what you've done, He knows where you've been. He knows everything about you. And we sit there and try to hide things from God. Well, this my sermon this morning, and you probably all have heard some type of a sermon on it, but it's on the prodigal son. You know, this prodigal son is probably one of the most known parables that Jesus spoke. He spoke it a number of times, but this here had a special meaning. This parable, most parables that Jesus speaks has one meaning. This one here has several different meanings. It has several different meanings. It, it's a it's an example, really, of true repentance. Now you can repent, but if it's not coming from your heart, you're not repenting. You're just doing something. Well, I guess I better repent or do something here. Somebody caught me doing this, so I guess I better do something. No, repentance, true repentance, comes from the heart because you know that you need to come before God and ask Him for His forgiveness. One of the other things is it represents this prodigal son, it represents uh, the joy that it brings to God when we repent. You know, and it says that the angels in heaven rejoice also every time a sinner repents and comes to God. It's a time of celebration. It's just like when this prodigal son comes home to his father. It was a time of celebration. It was a joyous time. This son had gone, went astray. He had left his father's house. He had said, Father, give me what I've got coming to me. I'm getting ahead of myself, so I'm going to read a scripture here. We're going to start out here in the book of Luke, chapter 15. I'm going to read verse 11 through 12 to start out with. And Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and to the Sadducees about this. He's, that's who he's talking to. He's telling them about this prodigal son and what this prodigal son had to do to come back to the Father and to... And and to be reinstated to the Father. He's telling these Sadducees and Pharisees, this is something that you're going to have to do eventually if you want to come to the Father. Luke 15, verses 11 through 12. And Jesus said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. He's coming and asking the Father, "Say, Father, give me my part of your estate that I'm entitled to. And the Father divided unto them his living. Or he gave this prodigal son or his, his younger son what he had coming. He said, give me a portion of goods that falls to me or that should be mine. What this young man was saying, and, and, and this here is, is from the Jewish religion or from the Jewish beliefs. It says, what this young man was saying was he wished his father was dead. Why? Well, where do you get that? Because this young man was not entitled to anything until the father died. He had no claim on any inheritance until the father had passed and left it to him. The father was still alive and well. But he comes to the father. Give me what I've got coming. He didn't have anything coming. Not while the father was alive. But, being a loving father that he was, the father fulfilled his son's request. Giving him his full share. His full share is not what you think it would be. This son's full share was only one-third of the father's estate. The older son, in the book of Deuteronomy and the Law, it says the, the older son gets a double portion of everything. So this young son only had a third of the father's estate coming to him when his father died. But his father went ahead and did what this son asked him to do. He gave him a third of that estate. You know, this son here, if we'll just think about it, he is a picture of all sinners who come against the family and refuse any relationship with the father. There's a lot of families out there where you've got a wayward child that leaves the family. Walks away from the family. Walks away from the father. I want to go out on my own. I want to do what I want to do. I'm tired of being under all this authority. I want to go out and do my thing. Well, that's what this son was saying. I want to go out and do my thing. Really, he is fixing to have a rude awakening about his own thing and what it's going to cost him. You know, we can see that this, we can see through this that God has given us. Do y'all realize that? God has given us a free will. God wants us to love Him because we want to love Him. Our desire is to love Him. God is not forcing us to love Him. We're to do it because that's what we want to do because of who he is and his love for us. The son wants to go out and do his own thing, so he rebels against the family and the authority at home. He wants to be his own boss. So, he comes to the father and says, Give me what falls to me. Well, the father being the kind, loving father that he is, he gave him what he asked for. Here in Luke 15, 13, we'll go on. It says, And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey. It was a few days the father got what, got, got what the son, was, what he was going to give him and give it to the son. And then the son leaves and goes off on his journey. It said he took his journey into a far country. Now we you know the Bible doesn't say where this country is. It just says it's a distance from the father. He wanted to get away from the father. He wanted to get out on his own. He didn't want no interference from the father. And there he wasted his substance and was, was sinful living. You know, we don't know how much money that this young man started out with. It doesn't tell us. But we know it was a third of all the father had. And chances are, with servants, much livestock, everything else, he was probably a very wealthy man. And what makes me say that, I'll I'll get to it here in just a minute. But, Anyway, it it said that he gathered it all together. He got all of his cash. He didn't take substance. He didn't take cattle. He didn't take anything else. He said, pay me in hard, cold cash so I can get out of here. I'm sure the father paid him in hard, cold cash just like what he wanted. He didn't have to take time to go sell cattle to do this and to do that. The father gave the young man what he asked for. And then here in Luke 15, 14 through 15, it says, now we don't know how long this took, but it probably wasn't a very long period at all in here. It says, and when he had spent all, how long did it take him to go through a lot of money? Most time you read about this kind of stuff, when he got into this foreign country and he had all this money, all of a sudden, he developed many, many friends that wanted to help him spend it. He became the life of the party. He was the head of all that sinful living. He paid for everything is what it sounds like. It was all up to him. And he didn't mind doing it because he always thought, man, look at all this money I got. I'm going to have plenty. And then he says, and when he had spent it all, it didn't take long when you got a bunch of people helping you spend your money. There arose a mighty famine in that land. And the young man began to be in want or need. And he went and joined himself to a citizen or to a Gentile. He didn't go to another Jewish man and get this job. He joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. You know, this had to be the most degrading job this young Jewish man could have ever gotten. A pig, to a Jewish man, was the worst of all the unclean animals. The Jewish man was to have nothing to do with swine. They were listed as the unclean of all the unclean, and so he had no choice. If he wanted to eat a little something, if he needed, he was going to have to do it. It said he squandered all his money on wild living. Can you imagine? Like I said, we don't know how much money this young man started out with, but I do know it was quite a bit because this man was very wealthy. And that day came when the young man had spent everything that he had. He did not have anything left. He was now broke, he was destitute, he found himself in a desperate situation. How many of you found you ever found yourself in a desperate situation? I think we probably all have. What am I going to do next? Where is this next... How am I going to pay this next bill? I've been there. It still wants to knock on my door every now and then. But you know, God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible tells us. Faith and trust again. He was in a desperate situation. He was far away from any family he had. And he had no friends. Did y'all realize it said that Raul righteous living and all these friends, when he got in a desperate need, not one friend was there to help him. Not one friend was there to offer him a sandwich or anything else. There was no friends. They departed him. See, most times we think, well, that's a good friend until something happens. And all of a sudden, all the friends are gone. They're not there. But they was using the young man because he had money. Many times, this is still going on today. You know, it said... uh, The young man had become so hungry that he found himself ready to eat with the pigs. He was ready to eat those pods that the pigs were eating. That's how hungry he was becoming. And then when he got to thinking about that, something happened. So it's kind of like a light come on in his head. He saw himself for what he had become and what he had done. He brought this all on himself. He couldn't blame it on the father. He couldn't blame it on his older brother. He couldn't blame it on anybody. It was him. Him only. Nobody told him to leave the house. Nobody told him to go out on his own. He had it made at home. But I'm tired of being told what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And all the time the father was doing what was very best for the son. It said he saw himself for what he had become. This young man realized that it was his own fault that it had gotten him in this mess. And here in Luke 15, 17, and I think this is what many of us have to do. I know in my younger years, it's what I had to do. It said... And when he came to himself, when he realized, wait a minute, look at where I'm at. Look at what's going on in my life. This is my fault. It's nobody's fault but mine. I've got to make some changes in my life. I got to that point. When I said I've got to make some changes, there's some things i got to do. And in my Hard, I knew that I needed God in my life. See, my wife and daughter were already going to church. She would ask me, You gonna go to church with us today? Of course I already already had something to do. Oh, I gotta go out and mow the yard. I gotta do this, I gotta do that. I had an excuse. Finally she quit asking me. One day she come in there, her and my daughter, they was dressed and everything. She said, Going to church. She had a little time. She didn't ask me to go. I said, "Wait a minute." So I go in the bathroom, I shower, shave, get real handsome. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I come back out looking pretty sharp, you know. She says, "What are you going to do?" I, said, I think I'll go to church with y'all today. I think I'll just go to church with you. Well, that was meant for me to do. I went to church. You know, I said, well, I guess I can sit here maybe about an hour and just all this will be over with. Well, as I sat there and music began to play and songs began to sing, I don't know what happened. I still don't know what happened today. But I started crying. Tears. And I I said, well, I know it's just a fluke. I said, I'll come back next week. So I came back next week. Same thing. I couldn't quit crying. Finally, that third week, I came. I sat down there. The tears started again. I just said, it's no sense in me putting this off any longer. I got up, went down front, and told the pastor, I need Jesus in my life. Jesus came into my life. I'm kind of like this prodigal son. I have sinned. Father, forgive me. From that point on, my whole life has changed. Now, I are a pastor. You know, and I never thought, or anybody, any of my friends, ever thought, you are a preacher? (laughs) Yeah, I know it's hard to believe, but I made it. You know, I was pretty rowdy when I was young. But God says, you know, I can do something with you. You may not think it right now, but I've got a plan for your life. He's got a plan for every one of your lives if you'll just say yes to Him. If you'll say, yes, Lord, I have sinned. Come into my life. Change my life. Make me who you want me to be. Let me do what you want me to do. I didn't ask to do what I wanted to do because this here wasn't it. I said, Lord, let me do what you want me to do. And I don't know, I had such a, a, a hunger to tell people about Jesus. To preach His Word to talk to people about Jesus. And I never realized in my life the calling that God put on me to do this. This prodigal son that we're talking about right now, it said when he came to himself, I'm like him. I had to come to myself. I had to realize what was going on in my life. And it had to be some changes made. All of a sudden, this prodigal son said, wait a minute. I'm going to have to make some changes. I can't go on like I'm doing now. So what does he do? In a moment of really seeing himself, he saw what he had become. And he knew there was only one thing to do. He thought to himself... I'm going to get up and I'm going to go back home. I'm going to go back where I came from. I've talked to a number of people that used to be in church that have left the church. I asked them, I said, why did you leave the church? They kind of, well, they're just things I wanted to do that I knew I couldn't do if I was in church. I said, do you enjoy doing what you're doing? And they'd say, well, not as much as I thought I would. I said, well, why don't you come back? I don't think God would have me back. I said, yes, He will. If you'll come back to Him and repent with your heart, He'll take you back in a second. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've been up to. That's God's grace that will let you come back. And He says, you know, He's never going to throw it up in your face either because you left. He's never going to say, I told you not to leave and you, you wouldn't listen to me. I said God ain't even going to say that. He's going to say, welcome back my child, welcome home. That's what God's going to do to anybody that wants to come back to Him. Welcome home. So glad you came back. I've missed you. And while he was coming back, he figured out, well, I guess I better have something to say when I get to the Father. And he says, and when I get back to the Father, I'm going to say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against You. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against God. And I've sinned against You. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just maybe, if you would, could you make me just like one of the hired hired servants? I'll settle for that. Could you just make me like one of the hired servants? Can I come home? The young man got up and began making his long journey back home. Don't you know that had to be one of the longest journeys he ever took? Coming back up, well, I wonder what the Father's going to say. I wonder what the Father's going to do. I wonder if he's going to accept me back. I wonder what he's going to say to me. What about my older brother? How's he going to feel about this? What's the servants going to think? Can you imagine all the stuff going through this man's mind after what he had done? How he had, I mean, when he told the Father, give me what is coming to me, he didn't have anything coming to him. It was just like he said, Father, I wish he was dead so I could get my part in this estate. That's not what he was saying to the Father. But on that long journey, like I said, he thought about what will the Father do. Well, it tells us. It says, and while this young man was still a long way off down the road, his father saw him walking up the road. He saw him coming home. And before that young man knew it, the father had ran to him and threw his arms around him, kissing on him, and said, Welcome home, son, welcome home. Then the son said what he had memorized. He said, Well, I guess I'm going to tell the father what I've been rehearsing. He said, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But you know what happened? the father stopped him before he could even get through. He said, son, welcome home. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. And then all of a sudden, the father cried out to his servants. He said, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. You know, we skip over that you know there is a meaning to everything that this father said? A strong meaning. Bring the best robe and put it on him. The father always had a very special robe set aside for honored guests when they came. There was a robe there to honor those people when they came to see him. Then he said, put a ring on his finger I like, I've always said, put the ring on his finger. That ring was had a very special meaning. That ring had the monogram on it, or the crest, of that family's. That's how they were rich. They had their own crest. They had their own sign. That son could go into town. He could purchase something. He didn't even need money. He'd get a piece of melted wax, put it on a piece of paper on the bill that the young man had had, uh, bought. That young man would take that ring, press it down into wax, and that crest on that ring showed who had bought it. This son had the authority and sonship to go into town and purchase Anything he needed. That's why I say this was a wealthy family. They never questioned that crest. He said, put the ring back on his finger. That restored him to sonship. He became the son of the father once again. He still, and he had the authority of the son that he had left behind. God restored it. The father restored it. It said, and put shoes or sandals on his feet. Only a free man wore shoes. All the slaves went barefooted. He was no longer a slave to sin. He was set free. When he put those shoes on, he put that ring on. And then notice what the father says. Get the fatted calf and kill it. Call the neighbors and spread the good news. There was always a fatted calf at the father's house for a very, very special celebration. Get the fatted calf and kill it. We're fixing to have a celebration. And he said, uh, (coughs) excuse me, He said, tell everyone you see. He said, when you see them, tell them. My son who was dead, spiritually dead, is now alive again. He was lost and now he is found. He has been restored back to the family. There's going to be a celebration like we've never seen. That's just like a celebration in heaven. When that sinner comes home to God, there's a celebration That takes place. Maybe this here today is for somebody out there. Maybe you've kind of drifted a little bit from God. Maybe you don't feel like you're as close to God as you should be. This story tells us God will welcome you home in a second if you will come. That that, that prodigal son had a choice. To stay where he was at in sin or to come home and be restored back with the Father. That's a choice we all have to make. You know, this parable is for anyone out there who is tired of eating with the pigs. Barely scraping by. Barely getting by. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. You know, Maybe you're living a life away from the Father. And the Father wants you to come home. He wants you back in His house. He wants that relationship back with you. Now I'm going to tell you right now, if you're ready to come home, the Father is standing in the road right now with His arms wide open waiting for you. Just like He was His son. He will throw those arms around you. He'll kiss you and He'll say, Welcome home, my child. Welcome home. I've missed you. I'm glad you're home. He's not going to ask you why you did it, where you been, and what'd you do while you was gone? He's not going to ask you that. He's glad you're home. When you said, Father, I have sinned. Forgive me. That's all it took. That's all it took. The Father's forgiveness. He said, when I forgive you, I will never remember those sins against you again. I will cast them as far as the east is from the west. They'll never be brought up again. Those sins are gone. You're free of them. Many people say, well, I can't come to God. My sins are too big. I've done too much. What did God just tell you? I have forgive you. I do not remember those sins and I'll never hold them against you. I'll never bring them up to you again. The devil will bring them up to you, but God won't. The devil will remind you, well, how could God accept you? Look at all the stuff you've done. Look at where you've been. Look at all this mess you've been into. Simply say, God said He'd forgive them. He's not going to remember him against me. I'm free. I'm forgiven. And he's taking me back home. And that devil will just get so mad he'll stop his feet and walk away from you. He's going to try to convince you that God can't forgive you. God has forgiven you. You're free if you'll just come to God. See, this is what the grace of God is all about. You can come home. You can start over. You can be forgiven. And your slate can be wiped totally clean. Nothing's against you. Nothing's against you. Then God's going to take that pen in His hand. He's going to open up this book. And he's going to write your name down in it. He just wrote your name down in the Lamb's Book of Life. You know before we go home, you better make sure your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life because God checks it. If that name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, God just has to shake His head and say, I'm sorry. God's not going to refuse you, but you have to come to God and ask Him to forgive you and He will. He's not going to ask you questions about where you've been, what you've done, why you did it, or nothing else. He's just going to say, Welcome home, child. Welcome home. Write your name in that, beloved book of life. You know, and it all depends on one thing. You have to do what the prodigal son did. You have to come to your senses and say, Father, I have sinned. Forgive me. How hard is that? How hard is that? So simple. When you do this, you're going to find God's mercy. What is God's mercy? In Proverbs 28, 13, it talks about God's mercy. It says, "He Now listen to this. He that covers or hides his sins shall not prosper. But whosoever confesses and forsakes him shall have mercy god's mercy his forgiveness and all you have to do is say lord i have sinned forgive me and mean it in your heart when you discover god's mercy there's going to be one other thing that you're going to find i've said it and i believe it first john 1 9 this is going to hit you you're going to discover that john first 9 is true he is faithful. I'll put it out. Like Jesus is faithful and just to forgive all your sins and cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. All you gotta do is ask. Just ask. Come to him and ask. He's ready to do it. Then, when you do this, you are restored back into your relationship with God that you walked away from. I'm going to ask the man to come up. And if you're here today, and maybe you've had some things go on in your life, maybe you've walked away from God. Maybe you're not as close to God as you once was. Today, God is saying, I'm standing in the middle of the road, my arms are wide open, and I'm waiting for you. My child, can you come? Let me put my arms around you. Let me tell you how much I love you. I want to welcome you to home. I want to welcome you home. I missed you. You know, it's real easy to get away from God. It's so easy to get away from God. I know there's people in there. I did that once. Went to church for a little while. But then all of a sudden, things. I just, I don't know what happened. I loved the pastor to death. He was a great man. A man of God. But somehow, you just kind of drift away. And before you know it, you wasn't going to church. You see out doing other things. Like me, I used to be on the lake every weekend fishing. Fishing bass tournaments. I was gone more than I was home. But then one day, something happened. I need God in my life. I need God in my life. Maybe that's somebody out there today. Maybe you've kind of drifted a little bit from God. And sometimes that drift can be so slow that you don't even realize you're drifting until you've got a long ways out there in the lake. Like I said, I used to fish. There, there it would be a day where there would be no wind whatsoever. And I'd be sitting out there, maybe I was tying on a different lure or something, not paying any attention, and not thinking about drifting. All of a sudden, I'm quite a ways off down here from where I was sitting. It began to drift and it was so slow and easy I didn't even know I was drifting. That's what it is when you get away from church. Sometimes it's so easy to do and the devil said, Oh, that's okay, you can go back next week. Oh, you can go next Sunday there's things you need to do this Sunday. God will understand. No, that's not what God understands. But He will take you back. All He knows is He loves you. And He wants you back in His house. He wants you back as His child. So I'm just going to ask you, if you're here today, if you think you need to come back to God, feel like maybe you're not as close as you need to be, we got an altar up here that God is ready to meet you at. He's ready to meet you. Put his arms around you and say, Welcome home. I love you. Thank you for coming back home. I've missed you. I've missed you. So I'll ask the band to pray. And if you're here today and there's something in your life, if you just need prayer, I'll be, I'll be down front. I'll be glad to pray with you and anoint you with oil. If you just need to have a moment with God, we have an altar here. The Holy Spirit's here. God's here. It's time for celebration. It's time to kill the fatted calf. It's time to have a celebration. Come home. I pray this in Jesus' name.